Chapter 1, verses 59 through 74 of Catina Aurea, Gospel of St. Luke, Part 1, by St. Thomas Aquinas. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Verses 59 through 64. And it came to pass that on the eighth day they came to circumcise the child, and they called him Zacharias, after the name of his father. And his mother answered and said, Not so, but he shall be called John. And they said unto her, There is none of thy kindred that is called by this name. And they made signs to his father how he would have him called. And he asked for a writing tablet, and wrote, saying, His name is John. And they marveled all. And his mouth was opened immediately, and his tongue loosed. And he spake and praised God. Chrysostom. The rite of circumcision was first delivered to Abraham as a sign of distinction, that the race of the patriarch might be preserved in unmixed purity, and so might be able to obtain the promises. But now that the promise of the covenant is fulfilled, the sign attached to it is removed. So then, through Christ, circumcision ceased, and baptism came in its place. But first it was right that John should be circumcised. As it is said, and it came to pass that on the eighth day, etc. For the Lord had said, Let the child of eight days be circumcised among you. But this measurement of time, I conceive, was ordered by divine mercy for two reasons. First, because in its most tender years, the child the more easily bears the cutting of the flesh. Secondly, that from the very operation itself, we might be reminded that it was done for a sign, for the young child scarcely distinguishes any of the things that are around him. But after the circumcision, the name was conferred, as it follows, and they called him. But this was done because we might first receive the seal of the Lord, then the name of man, or because no man except he first cast aside his fleshly lusts, which circumcision signifies, is worthy to have his name written in the book of life. Ambrose, the holy evangelist has especially remarked that many thought the child should be called after his father, Zacharias, in order that we might understand, not that any name of his kinsfolk was displeasing to his mother, but that the same word had been communicated to her by the Holy Spirit, which had been foretold by the angel to Zacharias. And in truth, being dumb, Zacharias was unable to mention his son's name to his wife. But Elizabeth obtained by prophecy what she had not learned from her husband. Hence it follows, and she answered, etc. Marvel not that the woman pronounced the name which she had never heard, seeing the Holy Spirit who imparted it to the angel revealed it to her. Nor could she be ignorant of the forerunner of the Lord, who had prophesied of Christ. For it well follows, and they said unto her, etc., that you might consider that the name belongs not to the family, but to the prophet. Zacharias also was questioned, and signs made to him, as it follows, and they made signs to the father, etc. But since unbelief had so bereft him of utterance and hearing, that he could not use his voice, he spoke by his handwriting, as it follows, and he asked for a writing table, and wrote, saying, His name is John, that is, we give no name to him who has received his name from God. Origin. Zacharias is by interpretation, remembering God. But John signifies pointing to, 
Now memory relates to something absent, pointing to something present. But John is not about to set forth the memory of God as absent, but with his finger to point him out as present, saying, Behold the Lamb of God. Chrysostom. But the name John is also interpreted the grace of God, because then by the favor of divine grace, not by nature, Elizabeth conceived this son. They engraved the memory of the benefits on the name of the child, Theophylact. And because the mother of the dumb father also agreed as to the name of the child, it follows, and they all marveled. For there was no one of this name among their kinsfolk that any one could say that they had both previously determined upon it. Gregory Nanzianzus. The birth of John then broke the silence of Zacharias, as it follows, and his mouth was opened. For it were unreasonable when the voice of the word had come forth that his father should remain speechless. Ambrose. Rightly also, from that moment was his tongue loosed. For that which unbelief had bound, faith set free. Let us then also believe, in order that our tongue, which has been bound by the chains of unbelief, may be loosed by the voice of reason. Let us write mysteries by the Spirit, if we wish to speak. Let us write the forerunner of Christ, not on tables of stone, but on fleshly tables of the heart. For he who names John prophesies Christ, for it follows, and he spake giving thanks. Bede. Now in an allegory, the celebration of John's birth was the beginning of the grace of the new covenant. His neighbors and kinsfolk had rather give him the name of his father than that of John. For the Jews, who by the observance of the law were united to him, as it were by ties of kindred, chose rather to follow the righteousness which is of the law, than receive the grace of faith. But the name of John, i.e. the grace of God, his mother in word, his father in writing, suffice to announce, for both the law itself as well as the Psalms and the prophecies, in the plainest language, foretell the grace of Christ. And that ancient priesthood, by the foreshadowing of its ceremonies and sacrifices, bears testimony to the same. And well doth Zechariah speak on the eighth day of the birth of his child. For by the resurrection of the Lord, which took place on the eighth day, i.e. the day after the Sabbath, the hidden secrets of the legal priesthood were revealed. Verses 65 and 66. And fear came on all that dwelt round about them, and all these sayings were noised abroad throughout all the hill country of Judea. And all they that heard them laid them up in their hearts, saying, What manner of child shall this be? And the hand of the Lord was with him. Theophylact, as at the silence of Zacharias, the people marveled, so likewise when he spoke. Hence it is said, and fear came upon all, that from these two circumstances all might believe there was something great in the child that was born. But all these things were ordained to the end that he who was to bear witness of Christ might also be esteemed trustworthy. Hence it follows, and all they that heard them laid them up in their heart, saying, What manner of child, etc. Bede, for forerunning signs prepare the way for the forerunner of the truth, and the future prophet is recommended by auspices sent before him. Hence it follows, for the hand of the Lord was with him. Greek Expositor, for God worked miracles in John, which he did not himself, 
but the right hand of God in him. Gloss, but mystically at the time of our Lord's resurrection, by the preaching of the grace of Christ, a wholesome dread shook the hearts not only of the Jews, who were neighbors, either from the place of their dwelling or from the knowledge of the law, but of the foreign nations also. The name of Christ surmounts not only the hilly country of Judea, but all the heights of worldly dominion and wisdom. Verses 67 and 68. And his father Zacharias was filled with the Holy Ghost and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people. Ambrose. God in his mercy and readiness to pardon our sins not only restores to us what he has taken away, but grants us favors even beyond our expectations. Let no one then distrust him. Let no one from consciousness of past sins despair of the divine blessing. God knoweth how to change his sentence. If thou hast known how to correct thy sins, seeing he that was long silent prophesies, as it is said, and Zacharias was filled with the Holy Spirit. Chrysostom, that is, with the working of the Holy Spirit. For he had obtained the grace of the Holy Spirit, not in any manner, but fully, and the gift of prophecy shone forth in him, as it follows, and he prophesied. Origen, now Zacharias, being filled with the Holy Spirit, utters two prophecies, the first relating to Christ, the second to John, and this is plainly proved by those words in which he speaks of the Savior as present and already going about in the world, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited, etc. Chrysostom. Zacharias, when he is blessing God, says that he hath visited his people, meaning thereby either the Israelites in the flesh, for he came to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, or the spiritual Israel, that is, the faithful who are worthy of this visitation, making the providence of God of good effect towards them. Bede, but the Lord visited his people who were pining away, as it were, from long sickness, and by the blood of his only begotten Son redeemed them who were sold under sin, which thing Zacharias, knowing that it would soon be accomplished, relates in the prophetic manner as if it were already past. But he says his people, not that when he came he found them his own, but that by visiting he made them so. Verse 69. And hath raised up an horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. Theophylact. God seems to be asleep, disregarding the sins of the multitude, but in these last times coming in the flesh. He hath raised up and trodden down the evil spirits who hated us. Hence it is said, And he hath raised up an horn of salvation to us in the house of his servant David. Origen, Because Christ was born of the seed of David, according to the flesh, it is said, A horn of salvation to us in the house of his servant David. As it has also everywhere been said, A vineyard hath been planted in a horn, i.e. in Jesus Christ. Chrysostom, now by a horn he means power, glory, and honor, deriving it metaphorically from the brute creatures to whom God has given horns for defense and glory. Bede. The kingdom of our Savior Christ is called also the horn of salvation, because all our bones are clothed with flesh, but the horn alone stretches beyond the flesh, 
So the kingdom of Christ is called the horn of salvation, as reaching beyond the world and the delights of the flesh, according to which figure David and Solomon were consecrated by the horn of oil to the glory of the kingdom. Verse 70, as he spake by the mouth of his holy prophets, which have been since the world began. Theophylact, that Christ was born of the house of David, Micah relates, saying, And thou, Bethlehem, art not the least in the city of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor who shall rule my people Israel. But all the prophets spoke of the incarnation, and therefore it is said, as he spake by the mouth of his holy prophets. Greek Expositor, whereby he means that God spoke through them, and that their speech was not of man. Bede. But he says, which have been since the world began, because all the scriptures of the Old Testament were a constant prophecy of Christ. For both our father Adam himself and the other fathers, by their deeds, bore testimony to his dispensation. Verse 71 that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all that hate us. Bede, having first briefly said, he hath raised up a horn of salvation to us, he goes on to explain his words, adding of salvation from our enemies. As if he said, he hath raised up to us a horn, i.e., hath raised up to us salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. Origin. Let us not suppose that this refers to our bodily enemies, but to our ghostly. For the Lord Jesus came mighty in battle to destroy our enemies, that he might deliver us from their snares and temptation. Verses 72 through 74. To perform the mercy promised to our forefathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he sware to our father Abraham, that he would grant unto us. Bede, having announced that the Lord, according to the declaration of the prophet, would be born of the house of David, he now says that the same Lord, to fulfill the covenant he made with Abraham, will deliver us, because chiefly to these patriarchs of Abraham's seed was promised the gathering of the Gentiles, or the incarnation of Christ. But David is put first, because to Abraham was promised the holy assembly of the church, whereas to David it was told that from him Christ was to be born. And therefore, after what was said of David, he adds concerning Abraham the words, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers, etc. Origin. I think that at the time of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, both Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were partakers of his mercy. For it is not to be believed that they who had before seen his day and were glad should afterwards derive no advantage from his coming, since it is written, having made peace through the blood of his cross, whether in earth or in heaven. Theophylact. The grace of Christ extends even to those who are dead, because through him we shall all rise again. Not only we, but also they who have been dead before us. He performs his mercy also to our forefathers in fulfilling all their hopes and desires. Hence it follows, and to redeem his holy covenant, that covenant namely wherein he said, Blessing I will bless thee, and multiplying I will multiply thee. For Abraham was multiplied in all nations, who became his children by adoption, through following the example of his faith. But the fathers also, seeing their children enjoy these blessings, rejoiced together with him, 
just as if they received the mercy in themselves. Hence it follows, the oath which he sware to our father Abraham, that he would grant unto us. Basil, but let no one hearing that the Lord had sworn to Abraham be tempted to swear. For as when the wrath of God is spoken of, it does not signify passion but punishment. So neither does God swear as man, but his word is in very truth expressed to us in place of an oath, confirming by an unchangeable sentence what he had promised. Verse 74, that we, being delivered out of the hands of our enemies, might serve him without fear. Chrysostom, having said that a horn of salvation had risen up to us from the house of David, he shows that through it we are partakers of his glory and escape the assaults of the enemy. As he says, that being delivered out of the hands of our enemies, we might serve him without fear. The two things above mentioned will not easily be found united, for many escape danger, but fail of a glorious life, as criminals discharged from prison by the king's mercy. On the other hand, some reap glory, but are compelled for its sake to encounter dangers as soldiers in war embracing a life of honor are oftentimes in the greatest peril. But the horn brings both safety and glory, safety indeed as it rescues us from the hands of our enemies, not slightly, but in a wonderful manner, insomuch that we have no more fear, which are his very words, that being delivered from the hand of our enemies, we might serve him without fear. Origin or in another way, frequently are men delivered from the hands of the enemy, but not without fear. For when fear and peril have gone before, and a man is then plucked from the enemy's hand, he is delivered indeed, but not without fear. Therefore said he, that the coming of Christ caused us to be snatched from the enemy's hands without fear. For we suffered not from their evil designs, but he suddenly parting us from them, hath led us out to our own allotted resting place. End of chapter 1, verses 59 through 74.